Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. So here we are in our final week of our series entitled, This Is My FBC. And so far, we have covered our mission And our mission is simply this, and hopefully it'll pop up there on the screen behind you, that First Baptist Church of LaGrange exists to embrace great commandment love, which then fuels great commission living. And then we looked and been teaching about our vision, and our vision is simply this, it's to provide a place to belong. It's to provide a path to become and an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. You see, last week we talked about giving people an opportunity to believe that we believe that all, all the relational stuff we're teaching is to point people to give them an opportunity to believe. So here's the question then. So if you're given an opportunity to believe and you take it, what happens next? I mean, well, immediately, just like with Avery, you become a member of the large church, the universal church made up of all believers of all times called the body of Christ. Then immediately, we also believe you will look to become a member of a local church, which is made up of local believers gathered in a very specific location. So the question is, how do you become a member of a local church, or what local church should you become a member of? And once you're there, what can you expect, or what are the people like? Other questions may come into your mind. Well, I'm praying that today you would decide to make this your FBC, that you'd be able to say by the time you leave here, this is my FBC. So how do you make First Baptist Church your church? Well, there are three principles I believe that will govern our message today. They're going to be found in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47. So if you want to take a copy of God's Word and open it up to Acts chapter 2, 37 through 47, you'll be with us. It's going to come on the screen. There's also Bibles in the seat pockets underneath the chairs. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we would love to give you that as our gift to you. So I wonder today if you would stand with me as we read God's holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant Word. Praise God. Praise God. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 37, the Bible says these words. Now, when they heard this, they heard what? The gospel. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent. Each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day were added about 3,000 souls. Man, that's awesome. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God bless his word. You may be seated. You see, the apostle Peter was first was preaching the first Christian sermon on the day of Pentecost. And as he preached this message to explain to the Jews the supernatural phenomena that was occurring, the siren-like noise, the tongues of fire, and the speaking in foreign languages by the disciples, as he was doing this, he was letting them know that everything that they had seen that was happening was made possible by Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who had sent his Holy Spirit to his church. Peter therefore preached that Jesus was both Lord and Christ. He says in verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, meaning Jesus, both Lord and Christ. You see, the person of Christ, according to Peter, was God. He was the Messiah and he was also the Savior. The Jews at first didn't want to hear Peter, but the more he preached the gospel, the more God put the hearers under supernatural conviction. These believing Jews are becoming aware that they had crucified the Messiah some 50 days before. They, they sensed that they were guilty for putting the Messiah to death, and therefore God had stirred his holy anger against them. So finally they cry out, Brethren, what shall we do? And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. You have to remember that God was breaking their hearts, and these Jews were hardened for a short time, but for now they're crying out for help. Why? Again, because the Holy Spirit of God had brought deep supernatural conviction upon them. He'd softened their heart, convicting them, tugging them, pulling on their hearts. So they came to a place where they wanted to know how to be right with God, to be saved from the wages of their sins, to have their sins forgiven, and how to be connected with the Messiah. And our passage this morning tells us how they became a part of that first church, what was the church that they were a part of devoted to and what that church looked like when it was in action? If this church, if First Baptist Church of LaGrange will become your FBC, you have to know some things about how that works. First of all, I need you to know that my FBC believes biblical Christianity. My FBC believes in biblical Christianity. You see, before becoming a part of the church, there's some things that need to happen. And one of them is the proof of salvation. Verse 37 says that, that they were there, but after being given an opportunity to believe, what was the proof that they believed? Well, first we can see this. We believe in turning from sin and to the Savior. You turn from sin and you turn to the Savior. Look there in verse 38. Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Upon hearing the life-changing gospel of Jesus, they were told to repent. That didn't mean they need to feel sorry, to cry, or to weep. It means a change of my mind that results in a change of my heart, which leads to a change in my attitude or my action. It's a change of mind after hearing a truth. It's always used in the context of one needing forgiveness of sin. Albert Barnes says this. He says, false repentance dreads the consequences of sin, but true repentance dreads sin itself. You see, these Jews may have thought of Jesus as a great teacher, 
a profound prophet or even an exceptional man with supernatural powers. But they were listening to the truth and it changed their minds and therefore it changed their hearts and they received him as Lord in Christ. They had deluded themselves about Jesus as Messiah and now they had come to the fact that they had seen him for who he really was. They needed to accept him as their Lord and Savior. You see, they had to turn from their sin and turn to the Savior. You see, a biblical Christian is one who has changed his attitude about Jesus. He accepts him as his personal Savior and God and deals with him daily as his Lord. Repentance is turning from my sin, and faith then allows me to turn to Christ. Faith is putting my faith, my trust, my hope in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that alone to forgive me of my sin. And that, my friends, results absolutely in the necessity of the new birth. As John says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That, my friends, is biblical Christianity. And that's what we believe here. But we also believe in telling our story. Now, we also believe that you have to turn from sin and turn to the Savior. We believe in telling our story. Verse 38 says this, that each of you is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, when and only after I repent... Am I baptized? This is exactly what Avery did this morning. Water baptism is the outward public testimony of an inward reality of my salvation. The word baptism in its secondary meaning means to be identified with or to be associated with. You see, these repentant Jews were to publicly associate themselves with Jesus Christ through baptism. For these Jews, baptism meant that they were severing their ties with traditional Judaism and associating themselves with Jesus and his people. Water baptism is the line of demarcation, for it's the public testimony of my commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior. When a Jew submitted himself for baptism, he was cut off from the religious community of Jews. And he was considered a second-class citizen. He had a hard time getting a job. He had a hard time educating his children. And he was cut off from the cultural life of Judaism. And when we are baptized, we stand and take a stand for Christ. And we will also experience that in our lives. But there's something that I need to deal with here just as a sidebar. At first glance, if you look in your Bible, you see that it says, and to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to understand something. The scripture there in in, in translations, you have to understand that in the Greek, there's also different meanings to different words. And context always helps us understand what it means. And scripture will never contradict scripture. So we're not baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. That word for in the Greek can also be translated because of. So if we were to imply that in context and with the whole counsel of God's word, we know that we're baptized because we have the forgiveness of our sins. Acts 2.38 does not teach baptismal regeneration for those of you in different denominations or have come from different denominations. It teaches the importance of baptism, but not that it is important to be saved. It's important because you have been saved. So we believe that here. We believe in telling your story because that's exactly what we do when we're baptized is you tell your story about your faith in Jesus. Here's something else we believe. We believe in testifying of the Spirit. We believe in testifying of the Spirit because verse 39 says, 
for the promise is for you and your children, as many as far off, as many as the Lord God will call to himself. And you should receive then, verse 38, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible says that when a person repents and truly believes in Jesus as Lord, he is saved. And at that moment, at that very moment, he receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not come through weeping, wailing, begging, or tearing, through, but it comes about through the change of one's life to, to repent of my sin, to trust Jesus, and I get the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to make Jesus real. It makes living for Christ possible, and it's the power of God that I have in my life to please God. He is the seal of my salvation, and he's the empowerment to follow my Savior. A biblical Christian has the Holy Spirit indwelling in him. The Bible says, if I have not the spirit of Christ in Romans, then I do not belong to Christ. And because of the testifying of the spirit, there's now a power and that power enables something. And it's the next thing that we believe. We believe in taking on separation. We believe in taking on separation because verse 40, he says, be saved from this perverse generation. The word save there, it can be also translated to deliver or to escape. You see, what Peter was saying is that these Jews were to deliver themselves or that they were escaped from the perverseness in the generation from which they were living. The fate of that generation of unbelieving Jews was eternal damnation because of the hardness of their hearts. Every generation is wicked and it's on its way to hell. And only true Christians in every generation then are called to come and impact that generation with the gospel to not be infected with the generation that doesn't have the gospel. Christians are to affect culture, not to be affected by it. They're not to allow themselves to come under the influence of the habits, the attitudes, of the practices of the present godless, crooked society. The Spirit of God enables the believer to separate himself, to come out from amongst them and be separate is what the Bible teaches me. And that's what we believe here. You see, upon repentance and being filled with the Spirit, something else also happens. We believe in being teachable in the Scriptures. We believe being teachable in the scriptures. Verse 41 says, so then those had received his word were baptized. There were 3,000 people that day who responded to the preached word and they were baptized. Notice that they welcomed or received the word of God. They had a responsiveness to the scriptures. They were teachable through the word of God. A biblical Christian is one who will have a desire to know and obey the word of God. There will be a teachable spirit and a receptivity to divine truth. They will be hungry for the word of God, amen. When Jesus, amen. Here's something else we believe. We believe in being together with the saints. We believe in being together with the saints because verse 41 says, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. You see, they were there, and the corporate aspect is of supreme importance because an unattached Christian to a local church is an absolute impossibility in the kingdom of God. You will never find a Christian in the New Testament who wasn't attached to a church. You're never going to find it. God saves us to put us inside a local body of Christ and also the big body of Christ. It's interesting that in the New Testament, the word saints is never used in the singular. Never. I like this way that John Stott expressed it. He said, God does not add us to the church without saving us. No nominal Christianity at the beginning, nor does he save us without adding us to the church. 
There's no solitary Christianity either. You see, it's the Lord who adds to the local church, not men. The Lord was adding to their number day by day is what the Bible says. This is why we must never force, beg, or scare people into uniting with a local church. Here's what the text is saying. When the Holy Spirit saves a person, he will automatically then want to unite with a group of true believers in Jesus. God places us in the large C church, and this always results in the gathering in a little C local church. That is biblical Christianity, friends. And when a person believes, that's what happens. Those are the marks. Those are the things that goes on inside. That's how we get plugged into the church. So then they're gathered into a local church, but then what should that church look like? What should it be committed to? If I'm going to commit to a local church, I need to know what it's committed to. So that's why, secondly, we teach this, that my First Baptist Church beholds biblical commitments. My First Baptist Church beholds biblical commitments. Look in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. You see, before moving forward, it remains important to remember that the local church is made up of only truly born-again believers. This church will have some biblical commitments, and one of them is this. We're committed to the scriptures of the Lord. We're committed to this book. We're committed to this book, devoted to this book. It's all about this book. They were devoted to what the apostles taught, devoted to their doctrine. God commissioned the apostles and by the power of the Holy Spirit to instruct the church on what to believe and how to behave in this truth of the gospel. The apostles gave the church apostolic teaching, and this has been written down for us and recorded in the New Testament. And so if we want to be an apostolic church, the only way to do that is to preach and teach what this is, not what anything else wants to add to it. This is the only apostolic succession there is, friends. There is no apostolic succession of bishops or anything else, ecclesiastical organizations. There's only apostolic succession in the way that we keep teaching what the apostles have taught, and we're going to do that here at First Baptist. Here's something else we're committed to. We're committed to the saints of the Lord. We're committed to the saints of the Lord because it says there, they're committed not only to the apostles' teaching, but to the fellowship. Did you see that? Committed to the fellowship. That word fellowship means koinonia. Koinonia means to share something in common. It's a partnership that involves participation. It's a relationship, not just activity or being social. It's not just superficial friendliness. It was a family issue. It was learning about Christ together, meeting and, and breaking bread, praying and serving together. It's love for the brethren. Nothing could keep them from being together. Not style of music, not whatever it is. Nothing could keep them from being together. Nothing. Because you know what? Love of the brethren had become one of their biggest and deepest things in their life, stronger than even earthly ties. The word fellowship means holding things in common, sharing something in common together. Most of those 3,000 people were strangers and come from various parts of the world. They didn't know each other, but all of a sudden, 3,000 people are gathered in one place and they have a unique bond in Christ and they begin to serve one another, to talk to one another, to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to meet one another's needs, and a fellowship was born and it was a deep sense of belonging and an overall sense of becoming and greater steps of believing in the gospel of Jesus they were committed to the fellowship. Can I tell you something? Can I just share this with you? You and I cannot be devoted to Jesus, who is the head, and at the same time cut ourselves off from the body, which is his church.
That would be like a young man saying to his date, your face is awesome, but your body, mm, it's got need, it's need some work. I don't think a dude would ever date very long if that was his attitude. A lot of people say they love Jesus but don't like his church. That's, that's not biblical Christianity, folks. It's not what we believe here. First Baptist Church is committed to the saints, and we're committed to the fellowship, but we're also committed to the supper of the Lord. Can I just tell you that? The Bible says in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. That phrase both means to take a meal together and talking about the Lord's Supper. It means both. As they ate, they were encouraging one another in Christ and rejoicing in his goodness. And then they also came together for times to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We call it communion, whatever you want to call it, but it's all about Jesus and the gospel. When we come together to celebrate that, it's in remembrance of Jesus and his gospel and his return, amen. Communion is this. John MacArthur says it calls for self-examination and purging of sin, thus purifying the church. Nothing is more vital to the church's ongoing, regular confrontation of sins in the lives of its people than the thoughtful expression of devotion to the remembrance of the cross. See, when we come together to the table, we remember Jesus, and it's also a cleansing act in our church. And church, we need that. We need to be holy before the Lord. We're committed to the supper, and then also we're committed to, the, to speaking to the Lord. We're committed to speaking to the Lord. Verse 42, the last part says, and they were devoted to prayer. It's interesting, the word there, prayer, means spontaneous prayer. And I find it interesting that on a day like this, we're committed to prayer here at this church. We pray three times a day in this service because it's a big deal and it means a lot to us. We are a praying church. There's lots of people that pray in and outside this church, but we are committed to even do it more and more and more. But this morning, isn't it interesting that Jeremy felt led to pray just spontaneously? That's what happened in the early church because they were committed to it and so are we. My FBC is committed to these things. When a person is given an opportunity to believe there's a biblical way to become a Christian, and then they'll be gathered with a local church, and they have biblical commitments, but there's one final thing that will be evident if you want to make this your FBC, and that is this, that my FBC bears biblical characteristics. My FBC bears biblical characteristics because in verses 43 through 47, we find some interesting things about the first church. They experienced a growth crisis, and yet they maintain their stance on what it meant to be a Christian and what it means to belong to a church. They maintain Christ-like characteristics. The first one is this. We want to demonstrate reverence. We want to demonstrate reverence. Verse 43a says they kept feeling a sense of awe. Awe there doesn't mean terror. It means reverence. It's reserved for times when people's minds are struck with an awe that is based on something powerful, something divine, something beyond their ability to explain or even handle. The reason they were in awe is because the presence of God had come upon them. <laughs> and we will continue to revere and stand in awe of the precious name of Jesus here at this church. Amen. And we also do this. We want to demonstrate realness. We want to demonstrate realness. Verse 43 says that and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. You see, one day there was no church. The next day, 3,120 people formed a church a community of people experiencing God's real and undeniable power. They lived in great reverence and awe of what Christ was doing and through them, through the power of the Holy Spirit. They sensed and saw supernatural miracles, the workings of God that could not be denied. 
Beloved, I'm trying to hear today to tell you that when God moves in a heart, it's real. When God moved in Avery's heart, it was real. When God does what he does in this service, it will be real because we believe and want to demonstrate the realness of God. Did you know that in this church, God is still healing people today and it's real? Did you know that God is putting homes back together and it's real? God's bringing people out of drugs and alcohol and bringing them to Jesus because it's real. Did you know that God is transforming our young people even as we speak and they'll come back and testify, God moved in my life, it was the real deal. See, we believe in that here at this church, but we also want to demonstrate relentlessness. I want to demonstrate relentlessness. In verse 44, he says, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. You see, the Bible says that these early Christians had one heart, one mind, and one goal. They were together. The believers in Christ were united, joined together in the bond of Christian love and unity. Their aim in this life was to glorify and serve Jesus Christ, period. There was tremendous unity, and they were relentless about it. We also believe this. We want to demonstrate responsiveness. Want to demonstrate responsiveness. Verse 44 says they had all things in common. Verse 45 says they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them all as anyone might have need. These early Christians loved each other so much they were willing to depart with their material goods to make sure that the needs of a brother or sister were taken care of. You see, undoubtedly after Pentecost, the Jewish religious establishment began to make it very tough on these Christ followers. So it became difficult to get a job and it also made it difficult to just do life. The Roman government was pressuring upon them and the longer they stayed in that environment, the less money they had. There was therefore a need for a common fund so that the apostles could distribute it to those who had need. The Bible says that they didn't have a need, that everybody sold and did what they did to take care of the needs. The scriptures doesn't say that all Christians in Jerusalem sold everything, but they sold as people had need. I don't have time to go into this today, but can I tell you, this is definitely, and you talk to me after church, this is definitely not about communism or socialism. I can promise you that. I'm just going to leave it there. What the Bible says is there was a need and they rose to meet it. And I'm going to tell you today, I don't know if he's here. I'm not trying to embarrass him. But here's what I know. This morning when I got to the church, there was somebody broken down out here on the side of the road and immediately my phone started blowing up and people in this church responded so that we could try to meet that person's need. That's FBC. That's who we are. And brother, if you were here this morning, I want you to know this church will love your socks off. So if you like to wear socks, don't come here. (laughs) Y'all know what I mean. Don't take me out of context. I want to also tell you this, we want to demonstrate resilience. We want to demonstrate resilience. Verse 46 says this, day by day, continuing with one in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. You see, the early church used to just meet in the temple. Then something happened. They grew and blew up and everything just got crazy. So they had to meet not only in the temple, they had to go house to house. You know what that's called? It's being resilient. It's called, man, we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we can make more disciples. We'll change things around. We'll change. We'll do whatever it takes. We're all comfortable meeting in the temple, but now I got to have people in my house? No, you don't have to. Well, well, can I? Sure, you can. And they did. They were resilient enough to do whatever it took to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Their methods changed. 
but their message never did. Let me just say that one more time. Their methods changed, but their message never did. And we're going to demonstrate that kind of resilience here at First Baptist Church. But then we also want to demonstrate rejoicing. Because in verse 47, it says this, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were praising God. Isn't that cool? I like a church that likes to rejoice. Y'all like to rejoice? Anybody like a little joy in your life? What I find it interesting is if I just break that word down, it means to have joy, but then to have rejoy. <laughs> it's like rejoicing, man. I, I have, and praise God. Well, let's do it again. It's kind of like if you're, you know, you retire, you retired, and then you just got retired. And that's all that does, right? Because you know you work harder in retirement than you did before, right? Anyway, that's just free. We can take another offering if you want to. But anyway, we also want to demonstrate a reputation. Verse 47b tells us this, that the Lord was adding, they were having favor with all the people. They were having favor. You see, they had such favor that everyone began to look upon them and see that they were a church that actually loved God and loved people. They were a church that loved God and loved people. That's interesting because they had learned the great commandment. And then because of that, the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day. You know why? Because they were fueled by that to be about great commission living. Because that's exactly what happens when we get a hold of the great commandment. We get about the great commission. That's what happens. It's interesting to me that they also, we want to demonstrate replication. It's the last thing they want to teach you today. We want to demonstrate replication. Verse 47 says that the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were were being saved. I think it's interesting. A lot of people tell me all the time they like the size of our church because they can get to know people here. But see, that was a church of 3,120, and they seem to be okay doing it. I don't think it's about the size of the church. I think it's about what's going on in a person's heart because you can find community in a big church or a little church. It just depends on what you're looking for. But see, they started out with 120 people. And then in Acts chapter 2, they end up with 3,120 people. By the time you get to chapter 4, there's 5,000 people. And by the time you get to chapter 6, there's 20,000 people. The Lord just kept adding to their number day by day. Did you know around the world he's still doing that? Did you know that today while I'm preaching, numerous people from all around the world will come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be added into a church? Did you know that? Did you know that at the end of today's service, we're going to add five more people to this church? You know why? Because the Lord just keeps adding to his church. Amen. I think that's something to be excited about. I mean, and the Lord just showed you a demonstration that he's saving people, young people named Avery. Isn't that exciting? I mean, the Lord's still doing what the Lord said he was going to do through his church. They were a church about the great commandment love that fueled great commission living. They were a church that provided people a place to belong. You matter here. You matter here. They gave people this path to become. Here's how you connect with the things of God. Here's the discipleship pathway that God wants to put you on. And they gave people an opportunity to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. And people responded to that opportunity, and they were added into the church. And that church was devoted to some things. And then that church was also characterized by some things. And let me tell you something, church. What I've teach you today, that is my FBC. That's who we are. And that's who I'm calling you to be. And that's how you become a part of this church. That's what we stand for here. So I wonder, Jeremy, if you would come. Somebody's going to have a heart attack. It ain't noon. And we're getting out. And I know somebody's thinking, man, well, he skipped some of his notes. I know somebody's like, what in the world? 
Can I just tell you this today, that all this is in vain if we don't do something with it. So how do you do the book? I mean, how do you do what we've asked you to do today? Well, first of all, you can do what Avery did. You can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of all your sin. Because here's what I know. I know that each person in this room is either under conviction or they're celebrating one thing. They're under conviction of their sin or they're celebrating that Jesus is Savior. And it's what you do with that conviction or what you do with that celebration that it makes all the difference. Today, listen to me. If you're within the sound of my voice by way of radio, by the way of online, I don't care where you live, where you're at in the world, can I tell you today that there's a God in heaven who is madly in love with you. He's not angry at you. He does not want to punish you. He does not want to exhibit his justice upon you. But he will. But he will. There's two ways you can have your sin forgiven. You can have Jesus pay for your sin. He's died upon a cross. He was buried and raised to pay, to satisfy God's wrath on your sin. Jesus did that for you because God loved you. He gave his son for you. There's one way you can have your sin forgiven. Or the other way is you can pay for it. And you can pay for it in an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. And the reason I tell you that is because I want you to know what Avery knows. I want you to know what I know, that man living in the freedom of having my forgiveness of my sins is so worth it. I have a relationship with God of this universe and he communes with me. He's my father. Life is abundant. Life is so abundant and life is eternal for me. But, but in the here and now, Jesus has made all the difference in my life. I'm not a better person. I'm just forgiven. And I am so free. The, the weight of sin, it doesn't enslave me anymore. And that's what he offers you. Would you come this morning? We're going to stand up in just a minute and we're going to start singing. And if you need Jesus in your life, if today's the day you want to be right with God and know for sure that you're forgiven, know him as your heavenly father, know that you have a home in heaven. Today is the day. Just come grab me or some other people by the hand and say, I need Jesus. But then there's some others of you in here who, who listen to me. You haven't ever been baptized biblically. Today would be a great day. You're saying, well, I can do that with what clothes I got on. Sure you can. We'll get you some other clothes. Maybe you want to schedule it for, for next week. Some of you also, you've been, been uh, tilling around, man. If, if you want this to be your church, praise God, man. Come down and, and grab me or Justin by the hand and say, I'd love to get in the next starting point. When's the next class to talk about membership of this church? Come grab us by the hand. We'd love to talk to you about that. But then some of you, man, you're like, man, this church ain't for me. Listen to me. Keep coming. You're welcome. But if I can help you find a church where you can get plugged in, I'll do that. Because it's not about FBC. It's about the kingdom. I want to help build the kingdom. But man, you're welcome here. So we're going to stand right now, if you would. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Father, I pray right now that you would move to and fro in this place and amongst those who are listening 
and speak your gospel into our hearts. That we could rejoice or that we could repent. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.